How many of you are here for the first time this morning? <laughs> a couple of you. Keep your hands up for a minute. Our angels will bring you some information, and I will catch you up on what we've been doing. Actually, you're all responsible for helping me catch these folks up. Or you might not be new here, and you might have just not been here last week. So we've been talking about seven statements, and we'll begin this by reminding you that we're looking at the Bible allegorically. We're looking at what is the hidden meaning behind this. This piece of the story, the passion of Christ, is a powerful, powerful process that happened. If there's hidden meaning, it makes sense that it would be here, doesn't it? That there would be something more for us to look for here. So we're going to go through these statements. The first statement is... Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we talked, we've we've been doing this for five weeks. This is our sixth week. We talked way back five weeks ago about the idea of setting down a father figure in the sky who is a God apart from ourselves and even forgetting any gender association with that and simply stepping into divine presence an acknowledgement as our first step on this path to transformation that we would step into an acknowledgement of the divine presence as love, as divine love. And we talked about how forgiveness versus forgiving, that forgiveness is naturally inherent in the love of the holy, isn't it? that we really can't have an all-loving God if forgiveness isn't there automatically. That forgiveness is an aspect. So we're going to step in as we begin this process into a neutral place of being love and forgiveness, which is different than forgiving. Do you see the distinction? So we're going to be the neutral energy of love. And in that, within that, is forgiveness for ourselves, for other beings, and clarity. That's our first statement. Now, what's the second statement? Today you will be be with me in paradise. So statement two happened when Jesus was on the cross between the two thieves. And Charles Fillmore said those two thieves represent the past and the future. So here is Jesus between those two. Here are we. Between those two thieves, our past and our future. And what we know is we have to be in the present moment. The only place that we can change anything, that we can make anything happen, is right now. We can can grieve the past and we can imagine the future, but the only place we can take any action is right here, right now. So step one is be divine love. Acknowledge divine presence. Step two is call yourself fully here right now. Sometimes you'll hear people say, I call myself from all dimensions, all time, all memories, all imaginations into this moment, every aspect of who I am present here right now for this transformative experience. What was the third statement? Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Behold your son. Behold your mother. So Jesus is on the cross, and there is his family around him. And not just blood family, but others. 
And the, the, the statement invites us to look at our relationship with one another. That we are mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, friends, lovers, who, who are all connected as one. That we are one universal divine connection expressing the holy. Nobody goes away. Everybody stays in this process. So now we have, we have acknowledged our holy presence. We have brought ourselves to a neutral and balanced position. We have brought ourselves into this very moment and we have recognized that we're connected with everyone and everything, that there is oneness amongst us. What's the next statement? Or... Okay, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or if you do your homework, there are Aramaic scholars who interpret this differently. And they interpret it as, listen to my heart, this is my destiny, or this is my purpose. Listen to my heart, this is my destiny, or this is my purpose. It's my belief that both of those statements have value, that the first one says, I have doubts. I want to do this transformation, but I have doubts. Okay, we all have doubts. Along our spiritual search, we all have doubts. In fact, doubting is the greatest key we have to becoming more solid in our spiritual beliefs because it's where we ask questions. Why do I believe this? Why do I feel that way? Who told me this? Do I really think it's true? If we never doubt, we don't find out if, if, our, if our faith is real or not. Everybody has doubts. And, and, why are we here? When we have those doubts, what is this all for? Why are we doing what we're doing? Because it's our purpose. It's our destiny to transform in our time here. It's our purpose to transform what is happening with us. And we do it from the time we're very little. We transform from babies to toddlers and from toddlers to children and from children to teenagers, oh my gosh. (laughs) And from teenagers to young adults. And then as we go through life, we begin to gather new and more profound wisdom, don't we? Our whole life is a story of transformation. It's what we do. It's our purpose. So yes, we have doubts and we move in. We acknowledge those doubts and by acknowledging them, we put ourselves more solidly in our place of sureness. What's next? I thirst. I thirst. We talked about this last week. Such a simple statement, isn't it? I thirst. But it's a statement of desire. I have a desire to transform. I have a desire. I thirst. I'm hungry. I want something right now. Our transformation comes through our desire to constantly bring ourselves to our most holy expression. I thirst. And we talked about how interesting this particular statement is because the statement is so simple and there were all kinds of things happening, weren't there? So I thirst brought forth from the Roman soldier out on site the, the Pascha, 
which is wine vinegar that was used to heal the physical. Roman soldiers carried it around. We think wine vinegar, blah, that's not going to make you less thirsty. But Roman soldiers used it to combat scurvy, to keep themselves holy, or healthy, and holy probably, <laughs> keep themselves healthy. And that's why it was there. Otherwise, why was it on Golgotha? It was there because the Roman soldiers drank it regularly. We talked about the sponge that was used that was put in the helmet. The, those sponges were lined the helmet of the Roman soldiers because those helmets would hurt otherwise. Why was there a sponge there? What do we know about sponges? They come from the ocean. They, they are uh, symbolic of our emotional self. That there is emotion to this process. And we talked about the hyssop branch, that it wasn't just any tree, any familiar, but the Bible was specific that this was a hyssop branch. And hyssop, at that time, was used for purification. Purification of the spirit. We also talked about, in the book of John, the story of Jesus expiring and the sword that was placed in his side. And the fact that both water and blood came from the wound, representing both the physical aspect of humanity and the spiritual aspect of humanity. And we talked about the sword, which is called the sword of destiny that is so often referred to as a mental construct, what we do with our mental mind. So last week's lesson, we went into great detail on all of that, and we learned a process for simply balancing the four subtle bodies, because we have the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual represented in that short passage. And we did a little meditation, and I asked you to to be present in your body, to feel yourself all the way down to your toes, to be balanced in your physical, to pay attention to what was going on in your mind, and to allow your thoughts to simply clear, to come to a centered, balanced place mentally, to allow your emotions to notice what they are and to release them so that you could be emotionally present to this process and to allow spirit to move through you in its most balanced, powerful way. So we balanced all four subtle bodies in this process. So now we have started out being the loving presence of the divine, allowing forgiveness to be inherent. We have brought ourselves fully, completely into the present moment. We have, what's the third one? Oh yeah, we have recognized our oneness with everything and acknowledged and affirmed our oneness with everything. We have allowed ourselves to balance the subtle bodies. And I missed one. I did. We have recognized this as our purpose and we have balanced the subtle bodies. We have two statements left we're going to cover today. The first statement is it is finished. So how many of you have something in your life you'd like to have done? Yes? Yeah. You know, we're interesting people. We're we're kind of an interesting culture, especially the Western culture, in that we don't do a very good job of letting go of things when they're done. How many of you have photos in a box in your house? Yes? How many of you have clothes in your closet you will someday wear again? How many of you have papers from high school or college? 
Yeah. How many of you have your children's grade school papers? How many of you have a closet you don't want to open? Okay, right? So we don't let things go. We hold on to them. We also hold on to jobs that no longer serve us, that make us miserable. We hold on to relationships that aren't working because we think it would be better to be in a relationship that isn't working than to not. So we hold ourselves into those relationships. We hold on to vehicles that don't operate and and broken down appliances and all kinds of things because having them is better than not having them in our mind. And this statement, it is finished, represents closure, completion of something. That everything that Jesus did to this moment took him to this moment and he claimed it. It's done, it's finished. This is finished. This is an important statement. It speaks to having learned what needed to be learned. And there are things that we learn from the relationships we stay in, from the places, the jobs that we don't leave, even from all those things we hold on to. There are things that we learn. And when we're ready, we let them go. Now, earlier, in, as we were going through the statements, there was a point where I said to you, We need to be in the present and call all of who we are here right now. So would it make a lot of sense if at the end we pushed off a part of ourselves we didn't like? No. We can never let go of who we are. We are whole. We came here whole. We live through our life whole. And the one thing that will make us less than whole is pretending we are no longer some part of ourselves. There's a modern day philosopher whose name is Ken Wilber. If you're interested, some of you may know of him. If you're interested, he's speaking at Unity of Denver on April 22nd. Uh, Mark and I are going up to hear him. Brilliant philosopher, a little bit heady, but really a brilliant guy. And one of the things that he teaches is the concept of transcend and include, which means I've grown beyond something and it's still a part of who I am. So I want to give you a very simple metaphor for what that looks like. How many of you in kindergarten or first grade remember learning how to count using popsicle sticks? One popsicle stick looks like this, two looks like this, three looks like this. Your teachers give you popsicle sticks? Okay. How many of you use popsicle sticks when you balance your checkbook? (laughs) Not very many. (laughs) So... We have that understanding of what two looks like. If you could go back through your psyche, you would find out that understanding is still there, isn't it? Those popsicle sticks made an impression on you. They taught you what two is. But you don't use that tool today because you are done with that tool. You have moved to a new place. It's still part of who you are. You don't cast off that knowledge You learned that lesson and you move beyond it. So when we transcend and include, we go beyond what we have learned to what is coming, to what is new. So when we say, I am done, that's what we're saying. I am done with this. I integrate the lessons of this into my being and I move on to the next thing. This part of what I needed to learn is done. And in order to transform, we have to know what we're letting go of because transformation includes change. Otherwise, it's not transformation. 
There's nothing transformative about doing the same thing you've always been doing. So we transform by knowing what we're releasing. And sometimes we don't even know what we're going to. We only know what is done. And there are words that we use. We use the word amen. Amen, so it is. We use those words, so it is. We use, some of us use the word so mote it be. That, that word comes from, originates in the Freemasons and the Rosicrucians. It's used by a lot of pagan cultures as well. So mote it be, the word mote just means might. Might or may. So may it be, so might it be. It's a statement of completion. I have said this, it's done. There's also another word you may not recognize as a closure word, but the word is abracadabra. (laughs) Abracadabra is an interesting word. We all know it from stage magic, don't we? But abracadabra was uh, the first recorded um, uh, use of that word was in 3 AD, and it was used as to state the end of a healing practice. So you guys, some of you may have seen something that looks like this. This is called an abracadangle, abracatriangle, abraca something. (laughs) Abracadabrangle, that's what it is. It's called an abracadabrangle. Um, You'll see it, people wear it on a medal. This came through Gnosticism, through Christian Gnosticism, and every line removes a letter. Every line removes a letter. It was a healing amulet designed to remove illness. It's symbolic of removing illness, one line at a time, until you get to the end when it's no longer there. So this is, again, I say this to you because when you say it's done, what word are you going to use? Amen. So be it. So mote it be. Abracadabra. It's done. It's done. It matters. It matters that you understand these words and that you use them and that you claim the finishing so that you can move to the next place. It's a statement to the divine of what you are doing and where you are in your process. I am done. And the next statement that, that Jesus makes from the, from the cross is, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Into your hands, I, com- I am done, and into your hands, I commit my spirit. This is another opportunity, isn't it? We begin with the holy, and we end with acknowledgement of the holy. That every moment of our life, from our first breath, to our last, we are one with all that is. That there is never a time that we are not connected. And we step into a place of faith. Now, faith is a tricky business. In order to have faith, and really know you have faith, you have to sometime not have faith. Because otherwise, you're just saying you have it. You don't really know. When you doubt your faith, you begin to ask questions. What do I have faith in? What do, I, what do I really, what has happened in my life that makes me believe I can be faithful to something? That I can have faith in something? And those questions lead us to experiences in our lives or the lives of people around us that show us that something bigger than us is helping us. There's something more than just who we are. Who we are in our ego self is different than who we are in our oneness self. 
And when we start asking those questions, we realize we've all had little miracles. Some of us have had big miracles. Some of us have brought life into the world. Massive miracle. Mother, father, it doesn't matter. You hold that baby for the first time. It was a miracle, wasn't it? You have no idea how that happened. Well, you might know how it happened. (laughs) But you have no idea how it happened. Right? There are miracles that happen in our life all the time. Healings, jobs that we really wish we would get, people we thought would never talk to us that we're married to today. There are many, many things that happen in life that tell us that there is a great and divine purpose for us, that we will transform and change and good will come. And when we go through this process and we decide we actively want to transform, we open in faith I'm, sometimes I tell people, they'll say, I'm trying to get this job. And I'll remind them to say, I'm, I want this job or something better. Because we open the universe up. We open to allow the divine to create the best possible for us. So when we step into faith, we, we are placing our faith in the hands, in the heart, in the wholeness of the divine knowing that we may have some idea what we want to transform into or what it is that we're asking for, but we are open to this or more, this or better, this or something that serves our divine purpose in a greater way. It is a huge statement to open to the oneness of the divine and allow what can come forward from you to be present. It it brings forth amazing, amazing gifts that we can't even imagine when we truly give permission to the holy to work in our lives. So I want you to take this home and play with it. This is a process. It's a, it's a very simple process. It's steps. It's steps for healing. It's steps for changing. It tells you what to do. It's very easy. The directions are on the paper. <laughs> I want you to to actually do it. Because learning about it is really interesting. But it's not worth a flip if you do nothing with it. It's not worth a flip. This story is not worth a flip if we're not interested in transforming and having our own resurrection experience. If all we're doing is admiring and worshiping and following and never doing ourselves, we're missing the boat entirely. We are here to bring forth the most perfect divine expression we can be. And this is a process that invites us into that. So I'm asking you to do it, to actually work with this, and to give me some feedback on how it works for you and what you experience. I'd love to hear more from you. Next week, I will walk you through a meditation that will include these steps. And we will use these steps to bring ourselves into a place of readiness to receive divine light, to enhance and increase our divine light. And then we'll use that divine light as we go out into our transformed lives. So I hope that you'll you'll join me next week as we go through that process. And, uh, And I appreciate very much the feedback several of you have given me already on this process. It's a it's a powerful thing. Uh, to hear from you and hear 
what you're doing and what you're about, and I feel very honored to be in service to you. I have some quotes for you. Dwight L. Moody said, faith makes all things possible. Love makes all things easy. Mahatma Gandhi said, faith is not something to grasp. It's a state to grow into. I'm not even going to say this guy's name. I mess it up so bad. The quote is, faith is the bird that feels the light when the dawn is still dark. Faith is the bird that feels the light when the dawn is still dark. Edith Hamilton said, faith is not belief. Belief is passive. Faith is active. Mary Mann Morrissey said, you block your dream when you allow your fear to grow bigger than your faith. And Khalil Gibran said, faith is a knowledge within the heart beyond the reach of proof. <laughs>